<laughs> Welcome to This Is Not Church After Dark. <laughs> Tonight, we're joined by our very special guest, Canadian superstar Alan Compton. <laughs> Come on, man. That's pretty good. <laughs> that's really good. That's really good. Oh, well, here we go. Western Christianity has spent the last 2,000 years telling everyone they're separated from God. This is not church with john and nat turney good evening everybody and welcome i don't know why i said good evening like when they're listening to this they're going to know what time we recorded it but yeah, whatever. Really. good evening everybody and welcome back to the podcast this is uh your hostess with the mostest nat turney with my brother john say what up john what up john wow um that was <laughs> super aggressive I, I, wow all right <laughs> So we are here this evening with our very, very special friend, all the way from Canada, Ellen Compton. Say hey, Ellen. Hey. Uh, uh, we're so glad you're here. Ellen is, I'm not going to read her bio because we, her bio? Her bio. <laughs> we ain't going to read her bio because uh, y'all, y'all don't know who she is. She's been on the show once before. And as we discussed offline before, if you don't know who she is, that's on you at this point. Um, you're going to need to just get to know her because she's amazing. We love Ellen very, very much. Um, she is the author of a really, really great book called Good Things Happen in the Dark. And my personal, one of my personal favorite like subtitles, A Candid Manifesto for Courageous Authenticity, which, man, is just awesome. So, <laughs> but we're here tonight to talk about whatever the hell that noise was. So, at work, it's always loud, so I have to have text tones that I can hear. Oh, so okay. That, so so that's my, that was my daughter. My daughter texting me. She's asking me where John is. John is currently spoiling this podcast with his <clears throat> text tone. Sorry. So anyway, uh, we could talk about the book a little bit since there's all kinds of fun stuff in the book. But one of the reasons, the principal reasons we wanted to have Ellen back was um, at some point in our conversations, the topic of the Enneagram came up. and. Ellen is uh, conversant in this. And it's something that I don't think we've had anyone even mention, let alone come talk no. about it at length. And so we're like, oh man, we need to have you back to talk about that because number one, I think it's fascinating. And number two, I don't know enough about it to, to really speak with any sort of clarity on it. So we thought it'd be really cool to have you come back and just share what you know, um, see how that might be a tool in the toolbox for some of our some of our folks who are looking for those kinds of things to enhance their spiritual progress or whatever else or or maybe you could tell me what what it actually all does. So, welcome to the show, Ellen. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. It's uh yeah, and good things happen in the dark. Yes, and we are yes. actually in the dark now. Well, some of us are. Some of us are in California, but Yeah, uh, no, right. It's, it's pretty pretty much dark here. Yeah. So it's five o'clock or so on on the West Coast. Yeah. And it's nine o'clock yep. on the very where, East Coast. On the very East Coast of Canada. And I'm sort of in the middle here in West Texas at seven o'clock. And so yeah, we're all of us up past our bedtime though. That, that part I is always, true. You know, no. I always have a, a an issue with editing as I speak. And so nighttime it gets a little worse. So this could be exciting. Oh great. I love it. An unfiltered Ellen. Oh dear. <laughs> That's this, frightening. This is gonna be amazing. So first of all, let's check in with you on the book. How how is everything going with that? Uh everything's great. Um I got my first royalty check and I made like seventy-nine cents. No, I'm just kidding. Holy mackerel, that's amazing. You made a profit. <laughs> that's 
Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. It was a little better than that. But that was kind of, um, it was kind of a side benefit that I hadn't really ever considered. It wasn't, um, I'm so happy that people are buying it. You know, that's I amazing. Really think about the fact that, oh yeah, there will actually be a check in the mail at some point for this. That might be the only one ever. Who knows? That's okay. Yeah. It's more than I thought. So yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's been really great. I just finished, um, just shortly before Christmas, finished recording it for Audible. So mm. the thing that's happening, it will be out on Audible, hopefully sometime in the next month or so. I'm not sure, but that was fun to record it. Um, I have, I've, I'm a singer, so I've got lots of connections with studios and things here. So recorded with uh, an old friend of mine, Tim Davidson. And uh, yeah, went in. Wow. So I, I do, I do love it. I've made it well known over the years that I do love it when authors read their own books. I know it's not always, I know it's, it's not always possible and it's not always um, the best choice, n- not always the best choice, but those people that I know who tend to be writers also tend to be speakers of some kind as well. Uh, yeah. And then, so, so then having them read their books and know where the inflection should be and where the stresses should be on certain things, uh, makes a lot more sense than, than somebody trying to interpret what they think. Yeah, I've picked on Brad Jersak for years because the people that read his books are generally not very good. <laughs> the, the last I should make the caveat that the last one that he and uh, that he and Paul Young did together, the pastor was phenomenal. That was a whole different. That was a whole cast of people and characters. And but I tried to get through. Her gates would never be shut on Audible, and I just couldn't get past the guy. Who kept mispronouncing words. Oh no! <laughs> it was so annoying. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. But but I do love it that that you had a chance to read your own. I wrote this book. I wrote every single word in this entire book, and yet. As I go to read it out loud, I realize, huh, I don't really know how to say that word or how to pronounce that person's name. All of a sudden, I'm looking up like I was saying, like, hey, my children, I was saying it wrong. I was calling her Mm. or I can't even think of other examples. But um, so I had to go through and I Googled everybody's names in the entire book. I just to make sure that I was pronouncing them correctly. I'm sure I missed something. But yeah, it's funny. It's different to write than it is to speak out loud for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I, I was I, I I did a little bit of uh, after I hurt I hurt my elbow several months ago and I was in the middle of writing this book right and I can't type because my right elbow is broken and in a big cast and so I started to go, well I can I can dictate I can voice to whatever I'm like and that's when you realize that you don't know how to say certain things or that your computer does not recognize oh, certain oh, things at all yeah. I'm like. Why did you choose to spell it like that? Yeah, that's a different book than you meant to write because Siri gets... Yeah. <laughs> so. she's, she, she's messed up. I had to go back through all kinds of typos and all kinds of weird stuff. But um, but I always thought it was kind of cool because um, Rob Bell reads his own books usually. And Rob Bell will throw in extra little audible content like an aside. And be like, oh, you know, by the way, when I said this, what I really meant was... And he'll just throw these oh, little I didn't know I was allowed in to there. do that. Yeah, yeah. So for your next book, which will be another blockbuster, I'm sure. Um, when you do that, sort of adopt the Rob Bell. Hey, allow me to expand on this for a moment. Or if there was a, he does have a tendency to put some graphics and things too, and he'll describe them. Okay, so what you see on this page is actually yeah. a picture of blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But in his real sort of Rob Belly kind of way, you know, it, it, it makes his audible books a lot, a lot of fun. I love that. I really, yeah. like, that was another thing that I did a little live video about too, not just the pronunciation, but the this is really hard for me because I had friends say, how are you sticking to what you wrote? Because I am yeah. the queen of the bunny trail. And, the, you know, um, <laughs> and I said, I, I don't know. Like, it's really tough because also 
I maybe don't like the word that I chose anymore, or I want to say more about it, or I want right. to qualify. And anyway, and you just can't. Well, now I know that you can. Thanks for that. I, I think you can do, honestly, I think you can do what you want. You know, you're Ellen freaking Compton. You <laughs> make your own rules. You pave your own roads. Yeah. You know, you I go do. where where no person has gone before. But I'm excited about the Audible. I can't wait to get that because I will definitely, I have I have Audible credits right now. All right. Just waiting for that to drop. All so, right. yes, I'm Great. super, super well, excited about that. I'll hear back from the publisher um, as to when that will be. He has the files. So just waiting on Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. All right. All right. Well. Anything. As I dominate the conversation, John, we're going to jump in on the let's 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 jump in on this whole. Um, and I'm probably saying this wrong too, but um, enneagram, 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 that nine pointed star of you know dubious origin um, that I'm sure some people within evangelical Christianity is are, are just convinced is probably demonic or satanic or yeah. something. But um, I figure if Richard Rohr talks about it all the time, and he does. He does. Um, there's got to be something to it. So maybe you could give us the um, sort of the, the quick intro on what that thing is. Yeah, well, I feel like I need to qualify uh, right away and say, like, I'm not a trained expert in this, okay? Like, gotcha. I, I have all of the imposter syndrome right now. This is just something that I'm just a highly interested learner. Um, I am an amateur enthusiast. Like, I've done a ton of reading, listening to podcasts, like, all of my learning is is like that. I haven't ever. I'm not as a specialized, trained enneagram master. Okay, that's not that's not who I am. So if I say something wrong, everybody just everybody just relax. Okay, that's <laughs> right. Cool your jets. It's gonna be okay. <laughs> but like I I got interested in this because I've always loved personality typing and quizzes. Um, you know, like Myers Briggs, love it. And I mean, I'm even the person that I hate to admit this, but I will, I will click on the, you know, what flavor of pizza are you quiz on Instagram or like, you know, or the, what is your, what is the way you sleep say about you? Like I right. do stuff and I hate that I waste my time, but I don't know. It interests me. Um, that probably, if somebody is an actual, um, trained invigilator, that probably says a lot about my personality type right there. It probably <laughs> so I first was introduced to this probably about 10 or 12 years ago through a friend in St. Stephen, where Brad Jerzak often is. That, so they had, they had mm-hmm. someone come and speak there, and I wasn't able to go, but um, became highly interested, and I paid to do a test, and it came back uh, inconclusive, which was very <laughs> disturbing. Okay. Um, and I always, like even Myers-Briggs, I'm equally introverted, extroverted. I am like right brain, left brain's the same. I am I'm divergent. I don't know if you know those mm. folks, but I'm pretty much yeah. divergent. I seem to be all of the things. Um, anyway, so I was really frustrated and I tried uh, for a long time to figure out where I landed on the Enneagram. And I just said it like you, Enneagram. <laughs> <laughs> You're rubbing off. A little Enneagram. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, I really like, it's it's easy with the Enneagram to, it's pretty quick. It's quickly, you can quickly identify what you are not uh, right. often, right? But then sometimes it's hard to determine between some of the types what you are. Um, so it took me a long time. Um, but anyway, um, I have since done a professional typing interview and, um, with a, a woman in England, that was wonderful. And it confirmed what I finally, where I landed with my own hypothesis. So that was good. I'm going to use Ian Morgan Cron, who's the guy that I first listened to. He has a, is a book that I'll tell you about later, but he says the Enneagram is an ancient personality typing system that helps people understand who they are and what makes them tick. Um, it actually means Enneagram means a drawing of nine. It does look 
I was laughing when you said that it looks demonic because I said, it does look a touch satanic. It does. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly a sort of mystical, culty kind of. Yeah. Yeah, it's just geometry, everybody. Okay. It's a yes, circle. Relax, right? <laughs> type nine is at the top and then it's almost like a clock and the other eight types kind of circle around it. And then they, all the lines that are in it, they're just showing which, which types often, you know, anyway, that's, I'll get into that after, but. So it's not a perfect plan. Nothing is. It um, it is not one hundred percent accurate because nothing is. But it is an amazing tool. I like that you called it a tool earlier too because that's really what it is. And if you're somebody that is interested in, um, like for me, being who I really am, being my authentic self, being the best version of myself, uh, those are things that are really, really, really important to me. And so the Enneagram is an excellent tool for that. It helps you to discover, discover your essential self. Essentially what it is, is that we all do have an essential self, the, the person that we are born, you know, our DNA, our, our whatever, who we're made to be. Um, and then we get all kinds of other stuff. Um, it's always nature and nurture, right? So all kinds of other influences, child, childhood stuff, life experiences that um, give us a way of interacting with the world that aren't necessarily maybe who we really are on the inside, but it's how we've learned to cope with life and um, but the Enneagram is, it goes underneath those behaviors. It goes underneath those actions back to what are our core, core values? What are our core fears? What are our core? Um, so it really does help bring you back to your essential self. And for me, I just think there's nothing more glorious than a person who is fully themselves. That to me is just, um, doesn't matter what they're like. It's just when somebody is being who they really are, that to me is just, it's so rich. It's so, uh, I love it. It makes me, it makes me very happy. Um, so, uh, let me think. Um, okay. So it's not, it's more than a personality typing program. I feel like I'm just going to be teaching you here and that's kind of boring, but oh, that's awesome. No, no, we love to be teachered. All right. All right. Well, I'm teacher. <laughs> teachered. <laughs> I love it. Here, I will give you that. eye. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love Myers-Briggs. Um, and I love, there are lots of other personality typing things that I enjoy too. However, this one goes um, to a much more profound level. It gets, it's not just the, oh, this is who you are and this is what you're like. And you read it and you think, oh my gosh, that's really cool. That is me. Isn't that nice? This is like, you read it and you cringe. You're like, oh my mm. God. <laughs> oh, somebody is reading my innermost, most embarrassing uh, motivations or the things that I would never say out loud. Um, and it's, it's quite freeing to realize, oh, I'm not just a, you know, a horrible person that really cares what other people think. I'm, you know, this is um, a characteristic of this personality type. So yeah, it's certainly it gives characteristics for each of the nine types, but it also goes into uh, deeper into what motivates us, our core fears, and then pathways for growth. So it's not just this is your personality type, and then you walk around and say, well, this is who God made me just, you know, right. Right. Least, it's not that it's like a, it kind of kicks you in the pants. It kind of, mm, okay. you know, it's more of a, like, it's a growth, it's a growth tool for sure. Um, and it, um, let me see, usually it starts with just observing. Once you know your type, um, then you just sort of start observing how you react in certain situations or, and you know, you're not trying to change anything. And then there is some self-reflection and then eventually growth, but it's not a, it's, it's not a program. It's not right. a, it's, just, it's a way of living. It's a way of interacting with our responses. And it's, um, it's a wonderful way to know ourselves, but it's also, it makes you, uh, or I shouldn't speak speak for the whole entire world. I'll speak for myself. For me, it's really helped me to understand other people. Because um, you know what? As it turns out, not everybody 
thinks the same way that we do. And I can't believe that. I just feel like everybody <laughs> sees the world in the same way. And I know that's not true, but we do live like that, right? Even in our marriages, even in our friendships with our kids, we think, oh yeah, they're, you know, this is how, this is how I see this. This is how they see this. And we realize with the Enneagram that no, we all interpret the world in very, very different ways. Um, and it's, it's a way of, yeah, learning to coexist and to connect at a deeper level and in a better way. So I find it very, very useful in my relationships. I feel like um, it has made me grow um, interpersonally as well as interpersonally. Um, all right, let me think. So here's some facts about it. I love when people say things like, so all of the numbers go beside each other. The nine is at the top and then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight around the circle. I am literally drawing with my finger right now a circle that nobody can see. Gotcha. Um, but, <laughs> we can see it in our minds. Yeah, yeah. But you can only be one type um, and your type doesn't change. Um, it, and I'm, it, there is obviously the goal is that we become integrated. That means that we become very balanced and we become, and we probably have like positive characteristics of a lot of the different types. But, um, but really your, your core personality does not change. Who you are is who you are. Um, certainly how we interact with the world changes. And your type is, this is what I love about the Enneagram too. It's your type is determined by your motives and your underlying drives. It's not about your, um, your actions, it's not what you do. And so some people, especially like in church world, a lot of people might think they're a certain personality type that's like the helper and the server and the, you know, I take care of people and this is what I do. This is my ministry. And they might think they're a certain type because of the actions that they do, because of the culture that they're in. When really, if they go underneath that and they look at their motivations and they look at their fears and all that kind of stuff, they realize, oh, I'm actually not that. I'm just doing that because my subculture demands it. Or mm. Yeah, and it, for every type as well, it offers what you look like at your best, what you look like when you're just kind of operating in a, you know, that middle middle ground, and then what you're when you're at your worst, sort of what it might look like for you. And that's not like, um, you know, oh, two years ago, I was at my worst. It's That can happen in a day. Right. You can, you can ride different waves and things that, you know, you might be your best in one moment and then in another situation, you're like, oof, ooh, I just, that was not, that was not the good me. And there is no best type. I think sometimes we look at sometimes and we think, oh, that type looks really fun. Or that type is like, they're super enthusiastic and positive And my type's more like pessimistic. And, but there isn't one type that's better than the others. They are all they are all have amazing traits and and really crappy traits. <laughs> like it's so bad. I think I think for me, I finally knew I had landed. I finally knew I found my my type when uh, when I was like, oh, that's uncomfortable. Like I don't like that. I don't want to be that. Um, but it's because it just hits it hits close to home. It kind of hits a nerve. There is something called there are something called wings, and a wing would be the the type to either side of you so for example if if i'm i'm a three and so on one side of me there's a two and on the other side there's a four and typically you do have some traits of of the numbers on either side of you so um yeah you're not going to have a wing that's on the other side of the circle you are one number and then adjacent you're, they're adjacent yes exactly yeah. nice word that's my that's my word of the week i've used it like three times now it's really adjacent. good it's really good <laughs> <laughs> So how do you know what type you are? How do you determine your type? So you can do online tests, but that is like the least recommended way to do it. And the reason is, certainly it'll give you information, but the reason is it assumes some level of self-awareness, which a lot of people don't have. Right. Um, or they will think about how do I act as opposed to 
what do I really feel about this situation? Um, so certainly it can, it can help, but it's, it's not the best way. Um, for me, I found the best ways to try to locate myself within other people's stories. So, um, I mentioned Ian Morgan Cron, uh, he and Suzanne Stabile have a book called the road back to you. And that was really helpful for me because they go through the types, but they talk about, um, they tell different people's stories. And as you're reading it, uh, you sort of go, Oh yeah, that kind of sounds that rings true for me, or that sounds a little bit familiar. Um, so locating yourself within stories, listening to podcasts, and and like I said before, some people have said um, that as you're reading, as you're reading these stories, and you feel that cringy feeling, like ooh, ooh, God, really? That's um, that's a really good sign that maybe this is one that uh, you know could be could be a little bit true for you because it feels it feels invasive, it feels embarrassing, like somebody's reading your mail, like they're looking yeah. to your deepest, darkest, like. Um, and so you want me to go through the types? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I love it. Okay. Teacher, teacher the hell out of us. I'm teaching you. Normally I do it in French, but I'm, you know, I'm a French. Oh, oui, oui. oui. That's, that, I just spoke all my French. Oh. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> okay, so each type has some identifying characteristics, a basic fear, a basic desire, and a deadly sin. Okay, mm. so... Um, obviously there are only seven deadly sins as per Dante, but, um, this is, oh, you know what, you know how we talked about not knowing how to pronounce a person's name. I meant to look up a name here and I didn't. So Ooh, here we go. Um, we'll take a shot. Were added at a later time, um, by, I don't know if it's Ichazo or Ichazo, I-C-H-A-Z-O. I'm so sorry that I'm probably mispronouncing that, but. I-C-H-A-Z-O? Yes. Ichazo. Ichazo. Ichazo, Ichazo, is it Japanese? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. So I don't know. Yeah, I know. That's all right. We know how to spell it, and that's all we need. We can look yes, it up. Yes, and so the, whoever this person is added two extra types to, to flesh out. So that there were nine. So basically, the deadly sins or the the passions they're called as well are to show how each of the types typically come become distorted in thinking or feeling and doing. Um, it's the way that they are most basically weak or broken. All right. Type number one. Normally people start with type nine. I probably should do that. Um, nine is at the very top of the Enneagram. Um, I think I will go there. Um, nine is at the very top and it's, they're, they're in different triads as well, groups of three. I'm not going to get into all of that because it's a lot. If you are interested in this, please look into it more and please look into subtypes. For me, I didn't really fully know what I was until I started looking into subtypes. Each of the types then has three subtypes. I know. You're going to need a flow chart. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't have my smart board here. So, but it, it, that really is what helped me to finally land when I read the subtypes, because I didn't fully identify with the type that I thought I was. I thought I'm not like that or, Ooh, I don't like that. I'm not a sales salesperson personality at all. Um, and as it turns out, I'm the counter type of that type. So I don't look like a typical three. Um, and that finally, that was really helpful for me. So if you're struggling to find your type, then um, I would highly recommend looking into subtypes. Um, and Beatrice Chestnut has the best book for that, in my opinion. She has a book called The Complete Enneagram, 27 Paths to Greater Self-Knowledge. And that's Beatrice Chestnut. So that's the three subtypes for each of the types. Anyway, that was very helpful to me. And I, I enjoyed that book. It awesome. was very readable as well. Um, okay, so Enneagram 9. Uh, the Peacemaker. There are nicknames for each of these types. So they're sometimes called the Peacemaker or the Mediator. Um, at best, I'm just going to give you a few, a few, um, of their characteristics. They're amiable. 
open-minded, optimistic, non-judgmental, peaceful, good listeners, self-effacing, receptive, easygoing, um, lovely, like really lovely people. At worst, however, <laughs> they are conflict avoidant, indecisive, unassertive, passive aggressive, stubborn, forgetful, lazy, complacent, um, afraid to take a stand. They will simplify and minimize everything because they, their basic fear is loss of connection. They don't want to lose connection with people. They don't want to rock the boat to, um, and, and cause separation between themselves and their people. But the problem is then they end up passive aggressive and angry because they're not voicing their own needs and, um, and then they get mad about it, but they would never act mad. It's very, very peaceful mad. Uh, the basic desire is to have inner stability and peace of mind. So they will do anything to maintain their inner peace. They don't want, uh, they don't want conflict. They don't want to feel unsettled. And then the deadly sin or vice is sloth. And it's not, Mm. that doesn't mean laziness necessarily, but it's more, um, like a desire to be unaffected and an unwillingness to, to fully engage, to show up with life, to like state their opinion, to state their desires. Um, so it's kind of a, like a sloth in terms of not putting themselves out there. Okay. So that is nine. Um, oh, one thing you're never supposed to do is tell people what you think they are. Okay. If somebody says, oh yeah, I think you're a, you're probably a two. Um, mm. you know that they are new to the Enneagram and they're super excited and they're breaking the rules because you're really not supposed to do that. People need to. <laughs> so you can yell, amateur. And you should shame them mercilessly. <laughs> you <laughs> freaking newbie. Yeah, you're clearly a newbie. You do not know. <laughs> we don't do that. We don't do that. And, and so then, but let me interject too, then, then a similar pitfall then would be for me to ask somebody to tell me what I think, right? Because yeah. this is supposed to be a self-discovery, you know, and, and a, I would say a personality type, like a personality type that I have, and I don't know where it falls in this whole thing would be, I would prefer someone to tell me what they think I am than to actually maybe do the work. And I don't of think like, there's anything wrong with dialogue. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with conversation right. and talking about it, but for somebody to come at you and say, or to use it as a, like to weaponize it, like, oh right. God, you're such a nut. Oh, you're just, oh, you're yeah. just being such a four right yeah. now. Exactly. God. <laughs> yeah. And I just want to walk into a room full of people who are like really knowledgeable about this and just do that though now. <laughs> what are you, a freaking seven? <laughs> you freaking seven. I don't even know what that is, but you're... <laughs> just watch people go. <gasps> yeah, yeah, it's true. Okay, um, number one. Like number one, also uh, the nicknames are the reformer or perfectionist. Perfectionist would probably be very accurate. Um, at best, honest, dedicated, like super rational, very principled, well-organized, fastidious, really high standards, purposeful, hardworking, conscientious, really strong sense of right and wrong, um, a desire, a genuine desire to improve things. Um, but at worst, um, the tyrants, no, not a tyrant, but critical, right. yeah, afraid of making a mistake, critical of self and others, ones often have a really strong inner critic, like yeah. a voice, their inner voices mean to them. Um, it makes me sad. Resentful, impatient, inflexible, rigid, self-denying, uptight. And so their basic fear is of being um, deficient or defective, um, of being corrupt or evil. Their basic desire is they want to be good. They want to be balanced and have integrity. They want to do everything perfectly. Mm. Um, and then their deadly sin or vice is anger. Um, but it often looks more like resentment. It's repressed anger. Um, yeah. so this is also a type that is in the anger triad. Nines are, ones are, twos are. 
Um, okay. and the, but the anger comes out in different ways. And so for a one, it's, uh, there's anger, but it's more, um, it's more like resentment. Yeah. All right. Okay. Number two is the helper. And this was when I was talking about people who are like such servants and they just want to like, you know, take care of people. And they're the ones running around making meals for everybody. They really could be a two, which the nickname is helper or the giver. Um, but sometimes culture can affect our actions, right? Or affect how we, how we present when that's not necessarily who we really are on the inside. So at best, selfless, warm-hearted, empathetic, friendly, intuitive, generous, giving, demonstrative, caring, sincere, like just absolute sweethearts, loving. But at worst, um, prideful, demeaning, manipulative. And the manipulative would be in terms of doing things so that they feel good about themselves, like wanting to take care of people so that they actually feel good about themselves. Um, Flattering, possessive, insecure, murderish. We all probably know somebody who's just a murder. You know, they do wonderful things for you, but then they just are so... So hard for them. I misheard that as murderous. Yeah. Like, whoa, that's snuck in there. <laughs> that escalated quickly. Murder, not murderous, but murderous. Murder. Okay, murder. gotcha. Yes. John, you're being very murderous right now. Yeah. <laughs> Murdery okay. is one of my favorite feelings. Like I, I, I say that sometimes. Like if somebody's snoring, I'm like, I'm feeling murdery. I'm my, feeling- my two my, my two favorite ways to describe myself when I'm angry are murdery and stabby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just feeling rather stabby right now. <laughs> I love that so much. Okay. Well, I already used murdery, so now I'm using stabby. Okay. Oh, stabby is a good one. I put it out there in the open market, so go for it. <laughs> All right. So, we, so that 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 helper. Then I like that the motivation part is what's important, right? Yes. Because there are lots of people yeah. who are helpers, but it's not necessarily doing it out of in a sense of altruism. Yeah. It's you yeah. know, I need to be needed. Yes, uh, that's, and so they, that's exactly it. Their basic okay. fear, choose basic fears of being unwanted or being unworthy or unneeded. Their basic desire is to feel loved and needed. And their vice is pride. Um, but it's not pride in a in a uh, flamboyant way. It's more of uh, like in their own virtue. Pride, they're prideful in their own virtue and, and how I am the only one that can fill this need. I am the Ooh, one that yeah. can do all the things and... I'm a type three. So for all of you who are into the Enneagram a little bit deeper, I am a three with a four wing. And I couldn't, I didn't know if I was a three or a four for the longest time, but I knew I was either one. If I wasn't a three, I was a four with a three wing, but wasn't till I discovered subtypes. So I'm a self-preservation three with a four wing. There we go. Gotcha. Okay. So um, these are the achievers and the performers. Um, At best, they are optimistic, confident, hardworking, efficient, competent, motivating, energetic, successful, charming, ambitious, self-accepting, authentic, inspirational role models, um, and everything they seem to be. But at worst, they are self-promoting, vain, workaholics, inauthentic, too competitive, impatient, validation-seeking, image-conscious, conscious, and driven. Um, and the basic fear of three is of being worthless. Um, and I, that rings true for me. Like, I just, I want to make a difference. I want, like, I have this need to be meaningful with my life, you know? Um, yeah. And so the basic desire is to feel valuable and worthwhile. And the deadly sin of threes is deceit. Um, but not in terms of being a liar, liar, pants on fire, but in terms of, um, deceiving themselves into believing the image that they're presenting to others. So, you know, like, and and then kind of, losing touch with who they really are because they're 
they're a persona or they're a, you know, a highlight reel. All right. Fours. I love fours. I love fours. Um, oh my gosh, I'm a four. Are you? I have no idea. I'm just, <laughs> I just want to be loved. You want to be loved. Oh, that's something about you. Okay, so these are the individualist. The nicknames are individualist or the romantic. Um, at best, they are sensitive, authentic, creative, expressive, introspective. These are the artists and the writers, typically. And the um, they're compassionate, supportive, dramatic, very self-aware, emotionally honest, and inspired. But at worst, mm-hmm. uh, moody, stubborn, temperamental, probably addicts, right? Like you're going to, I shouldn't say that, like I have nothing to back that up right now. But really, if you're looking at different types, probably, <laughs> I don't know. Can we delete that part? No, no, that stays in. And in fact, we're going to double down on what you just said. So <laughs> the headliner, Ellen Compton says Enneagram, Enneagram fours are probably addicts. You're probably an addict. You should watch out for that because you're probably going to end up an alcoholic or an addict. Of right. <laughs> but I bet you there's some truth to that. That would be a, like, a, a potential pitfall that they would fall into. Yeah. So self-pity, reserved, self-conscious, overly emotional, depressed, withdrawn, self-absorbed. Um, and their basic fear is that they have no identity or personal significance. Um, and they, uh, they feel like there's something missing in them. Their basic desire is to find themselves and their significance, to be meaningful, to, uh, yeah. And then their, their deadly sin or their vice is envy. Um, but it's not for what others have necessarily in terms of phys- physical matter. It would be more like, they perceive others to be thriving in their lives or they like, why is life so easy for them? Or why did they have mm. a happy marriage? And I'm, you know, been divorced 17 times and, um, that kind of, that kind of envy. Okay. Yeah. So I'm a, I am like highly a four and that's why I couldn't figure out that as a three because threes are typically out of touch with their emotions and I'm not out of touch with my emotions at all. I can tell you at any given second, exactly what I'm feeling. <laughs> like, mm. just, it's there. Um, okay. Enneagram five. The nicknames for F5 are the investigator and the observer. Um, at best, they're observant, objective, insightful, visionary, cerebral, perceptive, independent, calm, alert, focused, innovative. And then at worst, withdrawing, arrogant, cynical, indifferent, distant, stingy, um, critical of others, preoccupied, detached, eccentric, isolated, and maybe a little bit secretive. Um, mm. their basic fear is of being useless, helpless, or incapable. And so their desire then is to be capable and their deadly sin is avarice, which is not a word that, that we see around anymore. It kind of translates loosely to greed, but it's not greed in terms of, again, physical matter. It's more about, they have a great fear. Uh, they want to maintain their inner resources. Like they have the least amount of energy of any of the Enneagram types. Um, and they're very careful about guarding their energy, about using it sparingly. There's a like a, an avarice for their inner resources. They're very self-protective in terms of their inner resources. Often they're going to be introverted, um, mm. more introverts in this type then. And really intelligent. They are information gathering. These are people that gather um, information. Like They're just highly, highly intelligent. Okay, Enneagram 6. Nicknames are the loyalist and the questioner. At best, they are loyal, witty, committed, prepared, responsible. They're troubleshooters. They're supportive. They're reliable, hardworking, engaging, trustworthy, really good friends. 
um, at worst, they are, um, they're the most, this would probably be the most anxious of all of the types. They're paranoid, self-doubting, anxious, rigid, pessimistic, unpredictable, hypervigilant, um, suspicious, defensive, evasive, and reactive. And uh, these are people that want a leader. They want to know that they can trust their leader. Um, but they also will be the first to like, hmm, you're not trustworthy. Um, mm. So they, the basic fear is of being without support and guidance. Um, and then the basic desire is to have security and support. These are, this is a personality type that wants, um, a lot of feedback that requires a lot of, um, reassurance with decision making and all of that. Um, their deadly sin or vice is fear, but it's more like anxiety for things that may happen. Um, this is a type that will, um, and again, all of these characteristics, we can all have any of these in any of the personality types because I hear, I hear like you, don't, you think about the worst case scenario all the time. Well, you know, I'm really good at that and I'm not a, I'm not a six, but the, yeah, there, there's this anxiety about what could happen. All right. We're almost there. Two types left. Um, type number seven. Okay. These are called the enthusiast or the epicure. Um, and these are, these are the party animals. Um, People who are positive, adventurous, imaginative, enthusiastic, quick thinking, spontaneous, confident, versatile, usually extroverted, um, playful, high-spirited, but at worst, they are uh, pretty unfocused, self-absorbed, restless, superficial, um, escapist, um, undisciplined, impatient, maybe a little bit scattered. And their greatest fear is of being deprived and pain. Usually sevens don't want to deal. They don't want to go there. Whereas a four can sit with their pain and they can sit with hard feelings. A seven's like, nope, let's go parasailing. <laughs> right. <laughs> so avoidance and all that other good stuff, right? Uh, their basic desire is to be satisfied and content and to have their needs met. They want to feel happy all the time. They want to curate an experience all the time that is just like fun, fun, fun and happy, happy and, um, and don't love the harder parts. Not to say that. sounds exhausting. Fun. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> I know. I need a nap after just talking need about it. Some depressing <laughs> times, just for a rest. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, and their deadly sin, which I love, is you could probably guess, is gluttony. Um, but not mm. in terms of eating seventeen Big Macs. It's um, it's to fill up on experiences and novelty and stimulation and um, just like wanting to experience everything all the time. Um, and again, with all of these types, when we when we become um, integrated, we, we become way more balanced, right? We, we become, yeah, much more, much more balanced and, and can learn, learn some of the balancing um, behaviors. Okay. Type eight is, this is the last one, is the nicknames are the challenger or the protector. Um, and if you, you will, it's, it's funny, as I read some of these characteristics, I know we all probably think of like, oh yeah, I'm not supposed to say names, but I can tell totally Right, right. But I can think of... That sounds like this person. That sounds like... Yeah. So at best, uh, these people are energetic. They are protective. They're major social justice underdog um, advocates. Um, Self-confident, strong, assertive, resourceful, straight-talking, decisive, loyal, resilient, direct, empowering, magnanimous, inspiring. But when they're not in a good space, um, when they're at their worst... They are confrontational. They're insensitive, manipulative, controlling, intimidating, rebellious, willful, egocentric, domineering, and quick to temper. Yeah, can be maybe a little bit explosive. And these are people that they enjoy 
um, they enjoy engaging in debates and in conflict. And it's not a negative thing to them. It's energizing for them to, to, to engage in, in hard conversations. And so I like, I used to think, I was like, oh my God, am I an eight? Maybe I'm an eight because I am, I am assertive and I am not, but, but I don't like it. That's, that's the difference. It is not, it drains the life out of me. So you have to still go back to the underneath part. Like, sure, I can do some of these actions and I've learned how to engage in hard conversations and address things that need to be addressed, um, to state my boundaries, all of that, but it kicks the crap out of me. I'm ex- I need a nap when we're done and I probably need to cry and have a glass of wine too. So um, their basic fear is of being harmed or controlled by others. Um, and their basic desire is to protect themselves, to be in control of their own destiny, to really feel um, autonomous. Um, and their deadly sin or vice is lust. And this is not sexual or not necessarily sexual. It's more of a desire for excess and intensity and power and control. There you have it. That's an awful lot of talking. Oh, I that isn't off. You, you just teachered the hell out of all of that. Yeah, that. You know what? I just want to say that I would never talk that much to my students because they would all be they would all be in comas. Um, so <laughs> but you'd be speaking in French. That would at least account for part of it. Right. Yes. Right. <laughs> this is true. It's very soothing, that French. Yes. So, <laughs> but so that's, I know that's a lot of information. Um, and that's really kind of, it, it's helpful. It's a good baseline yeah. for, that's for really just the sort of, the, the, yeah, the real basic underpinnings. Um, and there's a lot of it that as you're talking about it is very, it's intuitive right like you can sort of like you as soon as you start listing the the positive characteristics i can i can intuit how that could go badly though yeah. um but one thing that you said that is really really important that i think uh, probably the most important thing you've said so far is that you can't base this on action right um you can't base this on the things that we do because of some sometimes the the underlying pressures to do certain things doesn't mean that that's essentially the way we're driven yeah um i can see somebody saying well you know ah i've been I've been friends with this guy for 40 years. I must be a loyalist. Yeah. Or maybe, or maybe, maybe. Jobs even, right? Like in a job company. Right. I've stayed in this job forever. I've stayed in this marriage forever. Yeah. And maybe at the end of the day, it was, it was all kinds, there were all kinds of other factors that come into play that not necessarily the motivation being that's your personality type. And so I think that, that, that helps me a lot as I go through and look at these things. I recognize things as you're saying them, then I'm like, I do that and I do that. But then my first question to myself, just based on this short interaction is, yeah, but why do I do that? And so your point about, um, I can debate with people all day long. Um, I'm good at it. And so I start to think, like you just said, oh, maybe I am. But then you, you quickly mentioned though that, that, it's, that, that you don't like it. Mm. And I'm the same. I don't like it. Right. I, I, it drains me. Yeah. It, um, it always makes me feel afterwards like like if I do sort of succumb to that that urge to to engage somebody really aggressively and and it, I always feel I don't feel good afterwards. And I, and I have that that the the reel plays over and over later, and I'm like, oh, I gotta call them. Yeah, I didn't need to say that. I didn't need to do it like that. Yes. And then I you yeah. know I so I did, and I certainly don't walk away from that interaction going, woo, man, I feel great. I mean, unless they're very integrated and healthy eight, but a lot of eights would just be like, oh, right, hmm. done. <laughs> right, right. And they might not even, right, they might not even recognize some of the potential harm that they can do in their zeal. Um, so no, that's, 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 so that's fascinating. That makes me want to dig a little deeper. Well, I, 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 real quick, I was just going to say, and I think a lot of people who are going through deconstruction might 
want to park there in that camp that they that they're an eight because well they spend so much time on Facebook debating right oh. it'd be really easy to I mean when I was first like doing this whole deconstruction thing I was debating all all the time yeah debating my side of whatever version of whatever story right but like you're saying I'm in the same boat at the end of it I just absolutely hated it yeah I hated I hated the debate I was in I hated the anger that came out of it. I tried, you know, hundred different ways to get out of it, mm-hmm. um, um, and then I, like you said, I, I sat and I ran it over in my head, over and over again, how I could have done it different, how I should have said it different. So yeah, I mean, I could see where, you know, I could say, okay, yeah, from the outside looking in, people are like, oh, he he might be an eight because he he sure the hell likes to debate. Yes, but yes. no, I yeah. never once liked it when I was in it, right? Yeah, no, but there, and it's, and there are some studies too, or some things I've read that um, different countries in the world have higher amounts of certain numbers. So, um, which, which is interesting to me just because, um, or people that would think they are certain numbers, maybe I should say it like that, because culturally that is what is asked of them. Like, um, like say, um, you know, in Japan, like you work your butt off, you succeed, you be the best, you, um, you need to win. Um, and you know, and maybe that's not actually the personality type who they are, um, on the inside, but that's what's expected. And so that is, that's the activity that, that happens. Um, and it's not necessarily who they are. It's a, Oh, I just started reading a book called finding your own North star by Martha Beck. And it's an older book. It's like, it's like 20 years old or something. My mom gave it to me. And, and I thought, oh yeah, that sounds interesting. I'm always interested in that sort of thing. But it is, it's, I mean, I can't reckon, I'm only on page 37. So if it gets really bad after that, everybody, like I was, (laughs) sorry, right? Yeah. The first 37 (laughs) pages were awesome. And it's, um, it's talks about the essential self and the social self. And, and I think that that works really well with the Enneagram to me because it is, it's like the essential self is who we really are. It's our passions, it's our desires, it's our deepest needs. And then the social self is the, it's the one that gets made by culture. It gets made by the country that you live in, the family that you're part of, the, um, the expectations of the subculture that you're in. And it's, um, and it's like the politically correct version of us where it's like, it's the one that says, oh, that's not really appropriate or that's, um, right. Like trying to, trying to meld these two, like your essential self is the one that's going to be screaming, no, not that, you know? And, um, anyway, I, um, I, I'm really enjoying that, but it really, it works for me with the Enneagram in terms of knowing like that underlying, the underlying, as opposed to the culturally imposed, socially imposed. It'd be an interesting exercise on some level to, to investigate deconstruction in terms of this. And what I mean is this, is that how there are, there are certain personality types that are prized within institutional religion, right? And so, and so I kind of wonder what that looks like as someone begins to deconstruct their faith and they begin to wonder, you know, how have I been, how have I been um, pushed into a mold of a person that I'm not really, but because of the pressure that comes to bear because of what's the expectations of religion or this maybe a particular brand of religion, it would be interesting to see how those, how, how those things could play out 100%. and how, you know, the, the, the freedom that can come 
right? And I think ultimately there'll be a lot of freedom there, but there would be an awful lot of accompanying stress, I would think too. Yeah. As you start to embrace parts of yourself, it almost, it almost feels like uh, like sort of shadow work. It's absolutely about shadow work. Yeah. That is a word that is important to this because it isn't just about knowing your personality. It's about engaging those parts of your personality that are kind of in the dark or the parts that we hold at arm's length or right. um, haven't been allowed to. Well then, so let's let's bring this back then too. Let's bring this back to good things happen in the dark, um, because that's that that's an that's a, that's an integral part of, of of what you've written about as well. Is this 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 um, this notion that um, um, there are I don't know I, again it, it it a lot of times we talk about shadow work it, in a real superficial sense. We start thinking about things that are that we that we conceive of as bad, right? Things of that that we would, but that aren't necessarily so, right? I mean, we're trying to figure out how to embrace all parts of our personality um, and bring them into some balance. Yeah. And often it's two sides of the same coin. Like you said, before, right. you, when I was reading the list of at best, you were saying you can see even the at best, yeah. how that could go bad because it's two sides of the same coin. And it's, it's when we're in health, it presents as one way. And when we are not in health, it presents as a different way. Yeah. Right. And I do love that you mentioned that that can happen throughout a day mm-hmm. because that happened to me like yesterday. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely happened to me yesterday. I was, you know, I was the best version of myself at like 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. And by three, I didn't like me at all. Yes. You know, yeah. because the flip side of those personality types was like, okay, yeah, I, I tend to be a perfectionist, but that, so at my best, it means I perform at a high level. I do things yeah. well. And it, but at my worst, I can see myself becoming critical. Right. You know, I could be myself. I can see myself being very rigid in certain mm-hmm. ways when I, I, I don't want that for myself. So yeah. um, I do love that at, least that, at least the way it appears to me is that this is not something to dictate your behavior. It's a way to help you understand yeah. um, yourself, which uh-huh. is always, I think, that when I think about deconstruction, um, one of those things that, that for me, is so critical is, 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 is intellectual honesty, um, which is one of the driving forces behind the reason that I deconstructed it all in the first place because the cognitive, the cognitive dissonance became more than I could bear. And yet sometimes I have seen people go through this process and then at times not seem to want to apply that same logic to themselves. And there's still a whole lot of cognitive dissonance going on not in, in knowing themselves. Yeah. Does that make sense? There's a chapter um, in my book called, oh, I think it's called, it's called Shake Up to Wake Up. And it's about earthquakes. And it's about that, like the, the experience that I had of just like the earth shook and everything fell down, you know? And it's just like, it's like all of the facades, all of the stuff that is not real, like, and how sometimes that's not the worst thing in the world. Sometimes we need a little, we need a little earthquake to, to shake off all of the stuff that gets added on and the layers and the facades and the built on bits that are not really us, but that somehow, you know, we, we end up looking like something completely different than what we really are. And so, yeah. um, yeah, deconstruction, shadow work, all of it. Sometimes it takes, um, really hard things like losing your community, like leaving the church, like deconstructing. Sometimes that also is the impetus for self-discovery, like you're saying, right? Where all of this other stuff, like, why did I do that? Did I really like that? Is that, is that really who I am? Or why did I, why did I toe the line in that way? Or why was I such a yes person? And then, you know, it all, it all crumbles and you realize, oh, oh, okay. Here's, here's me. There I am. Right. And, 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 and then for me, I'm thinking, well, if, if, if I don't get to the bottom of this, at least on some level, 
I, all I will do is reconstruct those same apparatus. I'll just, I'll just reconstruct those same little traps because I, I won't have come to a place where I understand why I did that in the first place. It's a really good question. Why was I, you know, I asked myself that a lot. Why did I go along with this for so darn long? Um, and I did. I, I went along with it for a very long time. And even when I decided I was done, it took a long time <laughs> to act on that. Like, hey, I was, I was out in my head before I was ever physically out. And so, yeah, if you, but if you're not careful, it's easy just to fall back into the same trap, just in a new, in a new place, maybe just a, a different venue. And so, what's that? What's that old thing? You know, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. Very easy to go. Okay, they might have a different name, but it's still the same underlying structure. So, yeah, that's interesting. John's over there going, "Oh, I'm in. I think I'm a three. Well, I mean, no, no I'm just kidding. I'm just, I, 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 you know, I mean, I, I did one of those online tests. I, you know, and. I think they're only as good as as uh, as you're willing to be honest about yourself, right? Or, or, or to the degree that you know yourself, really. Right. Well, I mean, even when you're doing it for yourself in these little online tests that you can find online, uh, you, you can you can lie to yourself and and answer questions in the way you you feel more comfortable answering. Right? I like so, to be. <laughs> right. Yeah, I sure so, would. I want to be the adventurer guy. And you know, and I think I was fairly honest. So I think I have a general idea what I what I would where I'd kind of fall. Um, I would like to I go. Ask you that if you had a sense, if you had a sense of where you might be. Well, and as you as you read them again, as you went through all the numbers again, the the number that I had come up with is the same number that I felt like I'm like yeah that's 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 me. But my question, I guess, is okay. So. Do you find that as you as you learn your number and you learn how you work within this, uh, and you know you you're a, say a three or a four or a five with a, 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 a whatever your wing is, which then means you kind of lean towards that way sometimes, right? If I understand it, uh, does that help you in your relationships, even though you don't really know their number, right? You know, like. I'm going to use an example of yesterday where things kind of went south on me really fast. So my daughter and her uh, fiance were living in our house and they, they moved out yesterday. This isn't my daughter. Isn't the first time my daughter's moved out. They moved back in uh, because they needed to do some things and they needed a place where they could be. And we let them move back in and then they, uh, they stayed with us for a few months and then they found another place. Well, I didn't handle it well when they left as they're packing up yesterday over the weekend. I, I did not. I didn't think it'd bother me because they've already moved out once. And so in the middle of this moving out, I turn to my wife and I start, I start talking to her about things I think we need to do to fix our barn. <laughs> okay. Yes. And I'm like, I'm not sure if the, the decisions that we have made on the barn are a good decision. I think we really need to sit down and right now and discuss how we can do this better. And she's like, really? Right now? <laughs> I said, yes. That says, I'm not going to say anything, but that that alone says so much to me about where I feel like you could probably land, where you might be. Right. And, um, so, and she looks at me and she's like, I can't do this right now. I can't go that deep into something right now. And I said, but that's what I need to do right now. I need to, I need to distract my brain. I need to go off and do something else. And I need to pretend like I'm not even thinking about my daughter moving out. And I'm not going to pretend like I just walked up into a room that's completely empty that wasn't empty 45 minutes ago. Oh, yeah. 
And that's what I'm asking, I guess, where I'm going with all of this is if I was to better understand who I am in this mm-hmm. and how I react in a negative way yep. when things go south, when things go shitty, um, and then I can see that in myself. Yeah. Does that help? Even though I don't know what, say, my wife's number is, or I don't know what my coworker's number is, but I know how I'm going to react. Yeah. In these negative ways. Absolutely. And it's, and that is like I read at the beginning, or like I not read, like I mentioned at the beginning, the first step is just self observation, is just becoming aware, like, especially once you know your numbers, sort of observing, okay, here's, look, I'm doing it, I'm doing it right now, you know, or I'm, like for me, am I being a chameleon? Am I like, am I in a situation where I feel uncomfortable? And so I'm trying to like, you know, I'm curating different parts of my personality to fit in better in this scenario or, you know, like you, am I, what am I doing in this situation to avoid feeling this pain? Yeah, absolutely. It, it helps so much just to understand ourselves. But then the more that you read um, and you start to, even if you don't know what somebody's type is, you can, you can usually, especially if it's somebody you know and love and you spend a lot of time with, you can kind of get a sense um, of what they probably are. And that is incredibly helpful too, because then you know, oh, this is going to be a situation. Like if your wife knew that you are a certain type, then she would know, okay, this is what's happening right now. You're not being a dank. Oops, sorry, not that word. <laughs> you know, like you're not being an insensitive prick about <laughs> you're talking about the stupid barn. That's not what this is about. This is about you are in pain right now. And it does, um, you might want to modify that, what I just said there a minute ago, you know. Never. No. Never. <laughs> anyway. John is an insensitive prick, though. Yeah. That's that's what we have to come to terms with. But it does, but it helps, right? It helps so much to see because what's happening on the outside is uh, if you didn't know what was what was going on on the inside, you might think, what the, you know? But then Oh, yeah, absolutely. Know, like, okay, this is, this is this person hurting right now, or this is this person afraid, or this is this person feeling insecure, or, uh, right. yeah, it's immensely helpful in relationships. Well, and even, even if you don't know, right? I mean, even, even, if it, even if I could not articulate for you where I think somebody might fall on that scale, just the possibility that there's something else going on there should give me some ability to be graceful. Absolutely. And at least make some better assumptions. You, go, you know, there's more going on here than MCI. When someone flies off the handle by something seemingly completely unrelated, I should probably assume there's more going on there than they're just being, yeah. what must you call them, a, a dink? First I said dink because I was trying to be like appropriate. And that word just sounds weird. <laughs> I just, but now I kind of like it. I'm, I'm doing it with being a dink. He's being a murdery, stabby dink. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, I try. I mean, and there's probably something in my personality type that 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 allows for this. I do tend, I do, I do tend to assume better things about people. You know what I mean? I do tend to assume that if someone's, you know, just like flown off the handle at me, uh, my first thought is typically, okay, what's going on? Like that's out of character. That right. doesn't seem right. proportional to what's happening here. Uh, doesn't mean I won't react badly and tell them to go f themselves. Well, you know what? Sometimes people shouldn't be flying off the handle. Yeah, maybe. Right. right. On, Sometimes maybe- you know a little self control might be good there. Yes. But um, but th- so all of this, you know what? And I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make a weird connection to Rene Girard, just because he pops his head up into everything that I do okay. usually, <laughs> but. And the reason I'll say, I'll make the parallel is this. Mimetic theory, Rene Girard posits that 
most of what we call mimesis, right? What of, of our, our mirroring behavior and all that stuff, it, 99 whatever percent of it is, is happening at the subconscious level. We are not aware that we're doing this. And so part of what Rene Girard's mimetic theory does for us is kind of drag those processes out into the light. Show us what scapegoating looks like. Show us what rivalry looks like. Make us aware of the things that we're doing so that we can do them better. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that really, that, that reminds me of this because it seems like so much of what we're doing is just reactive. So much of what we do is just, it's, it's just, it's just how we've dealt with how we've coped is how we've, you know, just lived. And then the, the Enneagram can help us to understand why we do those things. Um, and maybe give us some tools to help us manage those negative behaviors or thought processes. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, you got it. You got it. Yep. Well, then now I want to go read some books. The, by, by the way, the guy's name should be pronounced um, Ichazo. Ichazo. Because I, because I looked him up and he's Bolivian, so that's Spanish. Okay. It's, it's yeah. Oscar Ichazo. Okay. So here we go. That's a language I can speak. Yeah. French, not yeah. so much, but I, I, I can a, barely, uh, I can spare, barely speak English, so I don't, I don't well, know how you guys true. speak other well, languages. Well, you know. I'm gonna learn Spanish really well at some point because I feel like it's just a natural step from, you know, from French. But anyway, if you, it's it's easier to go from French to Spanish than Spanish to French, I believe. Um, uh, Spanish is a, it's a, it's a beautiful language. Oh, it's so it's beautiful. A, it's a very simple yeah. language. It, it's it's as far as. Um, pronounce. That's why I can look at. Well, that's why I can look at his name and go. Oh, I know how to pronounce that because yeah. Spanish is the easiest language in the world to pronounce as long as you know how vowels sound. But um, yes, exactly. Anyway, so Oscar Ichazo. Um, I'm the, yeah. He's considered to be the father of the Enneagram. Correct. Okay. I mean that's yeah. so. Yeah, I mean that, that's. They're saying first, like it was first discovered four thousand years ago, like Mesopotamia. Right. Like, they talk about like yeah. the Babylonians yeah. and. Yeah. And it's like connected to Sufism yeah. and yeah. all kinds of, was, yeah, even yeah. Um, what's the, what's the Jewish message, the Kabbal, the Kabbalah? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of, so no one knows for sure, but right. it has roots that right. go back like 4,500 years. Really far. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just want to pipe in a little bit and talk about, okay, what's, you know, what's, what's someone's next step? Okay. So we've had this nice conversation about what all these numbers mean or may mean and, I'm sure as people are listening, I'm sure certain numbers have resonated more with them than others. And I guarantee you, like me, there's going to be a lot of people who are just going to go online and try to find an Enneagram test, right? Right. Yep. Which may or may not be the, the best right. direction to go. Yep. Um, uh, I don't feel like when I went online and found just some random online test that it really gave me much. I'm assuming there's probably a better step, better process for people to go through to get to, yeah, I have some resources that I think can help um, that can help with that because for me, um, I agree one hundred percent. Like, and I'm and I'm pretty self aware, but I even like doing those tests. I find they they come back like inconclusive, or I'm too I'm too the same in some of them, and it's not um, it doesn't go to the right to the right level. But um, so finding like listening to stories and listening to that that for me has been the most the most useful thing. Um, first. And so um, I mentioned The Road Back to You by Ian Morgan Cron and Suzanne Stabile. Um, they also have a podcast. Um, and so if you're, if you don't feel like reading, they also have a podcast, which is, I, I believe it's still available. And that was really helpful for me because they interview different people with different types and they talk about what are the characteristics of those types. And so it uh, makes it very, it's just interesting to learn about all the types, but then you do find yourself really identifying in certain ways like, oh, okay, I think that's probably me. 
Then uh, Ian Morgan Cron also has another podcast now called Typology, um, T-Y-P-O-L-O-G-Y. Um, that's another that's another resource if you're a podcast listener. I'm sure there are a ton of other ones too, but these are just ones that I have listened to myself. Um, the Complete Enneagram, the one I mentioned by Beatrice Chestnut, that was that was a very good read. It's a little bit, um, it's readable, but it's, I mean, it's definitely a bit of a textbook, but it's, um, but I found it very, for me, that was, that was where I finally landed when I started reading about the subtypes. And because there are, I mean, there are a bazillion different ways that all these traits interact that you can, yeah, there's all kinds of different possibilities. So, um, and then there's another book called The Sacred Enneagram by Christopher Hewitt. And I listened to that one on Audible. That was, that was very, that was very good as well. I feel like because I listened to it on Audible, um, I, I sometimes do that while I'm like making supper or driving or you know, like putting on makeup. You guys know that. Combing my beard. Just kidding. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, There's a lot of downtime so when you're doing I that. Like you I know? missed. Yeah. I feel like I didn't, I feel like I, I, I listened to it, but I feel like I didn't engage with it as well as I should have or could have. Um, but I mean, I have it still, so I can listen to it again. But yeah, so those are just some um, some that have been... Oh, and then the Enneagram Institute. That's a website. And they have all kinds... You can go on and read different profiles. So that's that's helpful. And I signed up for every, every night at 11.30, I get an Enneagram email for the next day, which is just like, Hey, once you know your type, this is this is a thing you can do, and and um, it'll send me out a little message that says, "Hey, you know, how are you, or how have you noticed today that you are?" It's sort of like an integrating it into your real your real life thing, kind of a mindfulness thing. Like, pay attention today today to how you are um, trying to impress people. You know, just observe if you're doing that or not, or you know. And I like that. I read that every single every single morning. Just you know, sometimes they're. I just delete them and sometimes I find them quite useful. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That is awesome. Uh, man, I knew, I knew this would be, um, I knew this would be informative. Um, and, yeah. and, and it really is. It's actually kind of reignited my, um, my interest in it. It, it, it can be overwhelming. So if you've made it this far through the podcast <laughs> and you are feeling overwhelmed, you are feeling correctly. It is, there's a lot of information. So it, it, I, I understand that completely. As a matter of fact, this is one of the reasons why I kind of started looking into this one point and then I got a little overwhelmed with it and kind of put it to the side. But that being said, um, I think it's worth the effort. Um, and, I, and I really feel like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive back in a little bit to it. So um, the resources yeah, I mean, are there. And uh, Go ahead, John. I was just saying one thing. I, I, have never, I have yet to hear of a single person who has done all the work, found out what their number is, and starts working with it, and then some point at later say, "Yeah, and this is it. I turned out to be completely worthless." Right, right. I have not heard a single person yeah. who has done the work say that. Yeah. yeah. So, and even if you start at the simple point of listening to podcast and starting to get an idea of of who you what your number might be, that is still useful. Whether or not you go further with it or not, it's the reality is there are people that spend their entire careers studying this and researching. Yeah, for sure. It's it's not. It is not something that you will master. Um, and, but it is, but the further, but there's always more. It's not something that, you know, you, you read about your type and then you're done. There's just always right. more work to be done and more learning to do. And it's, and you can do as much or as little as you want and it'll still be useful. That's amazing. Yeah, totally. 
So yeah, no, I, I really appreciate you staying up late with us. Yeah, um, I know sure. that you Canadians pride your uh, prize your sleep very highly. Oh, do um, we? So we, that's you know, how else do you keep your your such your, your pleasant demeanor and your know. you know your your ah shucks kind of you know <laughs> politeness and everything? So I know. Thank you. I know. <laughs> it's, it can't be all the Molson and maple syrup. There's got to be more going on there than. Uh, no, but I do really appreciate you making the time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, this was and, really fun. And I knew it would be. I mean, after hanging out with you guys the last time, that was such a blast. And this, yeah, same again. Yeah, yeah. Any any time, we'll we'll talk into it again. I hope. Yeah, um, absolutely. Because um, I'm I'm just I just every time we talk, it's just a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I appreciate you. Um, thank you for your your. Uh, you may you may not consider yourself an expert in the subject, um, but you're obviously very knowledgeable. So that that thank you for passing it on. And then the the teacher in you comes through very very well. So that'll be helpful for our listeners. Um, I think you'll spark some interest in some folks that will want to go do some investigations. I so. so I hope so. I it's love very that. Worthwhile. It's a worthwhile journey for sure. Yeah. And if you haven't done so, and again, if you've made it this far, I always assume that about two thirds of the way people go, you know, I've had enough of both John and Nat, so <laughs> we're going to bounce or they're, or they're skipping through the good parts. When, um, but if you have made it this far um, and you haven't bought Ellen's book, yeah. do yourself a favor, um, buy Ellen's book. It's really, really good. And uh, we'd like to see her next royalty check be at least 85 cents. Um, let's, let's bump it up by at least like four or five percent. See if we can't get her a, you know, a happy meal or something. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah, and we'll put on Audible too. I don't have a date, but I will. Yeah, you know, I'll definitely post that on social media and on. All right, hey, we appreciate you. We're gonna we're gonna say good night. Okay. Okay. All right, that's a good job, don't you know? <laughs> I got nothing, man. That is the worst. That's the worst. John, stop this. Put 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 me in my misery. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to This Is Not Church. Be sure to rate and review the podcast on your platform of choice. If you would like to partner with us, visit patreon.com slash thisisnotchurch, where you will receive exclusive content such as early access to episodes, videos of upcoming episodes, and live Q&A sessions. Be sure to check out our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter and Instagram. All the links are in the show notes. We'll be back soon with another episode.